Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 139. Our Sunday worship service for November 3rd, 2019 is Where Are You Going? It is the fifth in the series, Meaning Fulfilled. We are all yearning for a homecoming. It can happen today. I picked a longer piece of scripture, so I'm going to read it. You're welcome to read it with me. 17 through 18. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father. Now maybe it's from. Maybe that story sounds familiar. It's from the prodigal son. And I bring that out. It's one of my favorite stories. Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity, said that it's the whole Bible in one parable. If you really get the prodigal son story, you get so much about what the Bible's about, and I think in another way, more importantly, you get so much of what you're about, because the whole Bible is a story about you. The prodigal son is your story. And I love that piece that I brought out in the Scripture, because that's the moment, maybe you know the story, that's the moment where... He wakes up. That's the moment when that they can't get any worse. And I got to tell you, thank God for those moments. You know, there are some places you can go on a Sunday morning where they've got a lot to say about when life is really good. There's a lot on a Sunday morning where, I don't know, you feel kind of bad if your life ain't working out so well. You go, well, everybody else has got a direct line to God. I'm on voicemail. Everybody else has got some kind of circuitous, I've got a circuitous path to get there. Straight shot. And I blame myself and I feel bad for feeling bad and I don't know how it works. I think that if this is going to work, guys, I want a church that applies to me when things aren't working. Life is messy. It's not bad. Doesn't even have to be hard, but life is messy. You know why? Because I don't know everything. Life is not here to go according to my plan. I am here to go according to God's plan. And so I need a theology, curiosity, God's stuff that works when I don't know what's going to happen next. And I need something that applies to those moments when I got no choice but to give up. And that's what's going on in that prodigal son story. He goes, you know what? Thank God for those moments when we get out of the way. When we realize, like the prodigal son, that we could have just gone home. I love that. And maybe for the same reason you love that, because the prodigal son story is your story, and it's my story, and in one way or another, here is the blanket teaching, guys. Everybody is just trying to get home. Everybody's just trying to get home. In one way or another, we have in our hearts a homesickness, and I've talked about this before, a homesickness for a conscious relationship with God, a homesickness for a life that works, a homesickness for healing or ease or just without having to fight about this, that, and the other thing. Everybody is homesick in one way or another. And if you really know that, I don't know, there are some people who just really clobber themselves about that thing they did years ago. 
try to go to bed at night and the house is quiet. The sleep timer on the TV has kicked in and it's over now. And you look up at the ceiling and you go, man, that thing I said in fifth grade. Or whatever it is. But there is stuff that we ought to fix. There is stuff that maybe we ought to make an amends for or do whatever. I get it. But start that forgiveness journey by saying, you know what? I was just trying to get home. Maybe my idea of how to get there, of what home was, maybe it wasn't so great. But I know better now. I am more now. I was just trying to get home. Then get up and fix what needs to be fixed. Ask for forgiveness. Give forgiveness and all that. But the repair, that was the best I could do at the moment. My best maybe wasn't so great, but that's what I did. Just trying to get home. And maybe you came into these doors this morning or you turned on your web browser or whatever it is thinking about somebody who wronged you. Everybody's got stories. But just like with yourself, the healing begins when you can look at that other person and say, I know you were just trying to get home. Now, I do not excuse the toxic behavior. I am not okay to be dysfunctional. I will not allow that in my life. But I'm not going to be defined by the dysfunction. I'm not going to be defined by the hurt. I am defined by the journey home. And I realize that everybody is on this page. Everybody is just trying to get home. And when I know that, I can start to forgive. I can start to bless. I can start to grow up to the point where I can start to be like a little kid again. That wonderful circular journey. Now, last idea that... that Kids are constantly accepting and also constantly evaluating. Remember we talked about that a little bit? But I want to double down on that and say, when you think about it, kids are evaluating on the basis, here's the new part, kids are evaluating of oneness. This is what I mean. Kids are constantly going, what is the same about this and that and the other? Do we like the same TV shows? Do we have the same color shoes? Do we both like chocolate chip cookies? Are we both afraid when we think it's a chocolate chip cookie and it ends up having raisins in it? Who wants fruit? Don't get me started. Kids are excited about sameness. They evaluate their world in terms of, we got the same. It's what drives children, and it's what drives us. If you want a life that works, call it whatever you want. Call it a spiritual life, a successful life, whatever. If you want a life that works, learn how to evaluate based on one instead of based on separation. And to the degree that you do that, you make that flip, things will work better. That's just how this goes. But it requires that childlike idea that I am not defined by the physical. We got different outfits on. We're from different places. We got more or less money. We vote differently. Enough. It takes the childlike understanding of saying, I'm not defined by those outer things. I am not material. I am spiritual. And knowing that and finding that different basis is what it takes. It's what it's all about. As I say, we are all just trying to get home. A few months ago, back in June, church service project was to part participate in the... Uh, St. Petersburg Pride Parade. Some of us were, who was there for the St. Pete Pride Parade? It was great, right? I love that. I love the opportunity to stand up for love. It's huge. Do what you need to do. 
end up for love in whatever way means something. I got to say that uh, our, there were some people that had been going to the church that once they found out we were doing that are not going to the church anymore. I love that. Bless them. Sometimes he tithes. We stand up here. And we stand up for love. I love it especially because, you know, when people think about church, often they think about judgmentalism and exclusion and barriers. And I say, that's not how church is supposed to go. And here we are back just a little bit. I love that. But I got to tell you, I really loved when we were there getting ready for the parade. Well, there's a lot of things to love about the whole experience. But when we were there getting ready for the parade, those of you who were there remember, they had us all sort of ready to go float area and then the float in front of us and behind us and we were all going to go in our lines. And the group in front of us was not happy about being next to those church weirdos. About a pride parade. And the outfits and the music and the sensibility. This is an explosion of life and an affirmation of all kinds of things. And the music and the clothes and everything in the group in front of us was not something that we would be comfortable with dealing with in the context of church. I loved it for that reason. But what I really loved is because I was at the front of our little corral because I was one of the wheel watchers making sure Mitch didn't run anybody over. And what I loved was the people in front of us, I could hear them because I was close, and they said, oh, look, don't look now. There's a church group behind us. I loved it because it's fun to see it's fun to see that so often churches judge people. I loved being judged because we were a church. Turnabout is fair play and all that. I thought it was wonderful. Now, I have to say, I'm kind of an awkward, dorky guy, and when you hear something like that, Everything I could with my body language to try to say, no, 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 I'm cool. <laughs> don't, don't ever try to be cool because that's the least cool thing you can do, right? And it was awkward and it was weird and all of that. I accept you. Yeah, that's a bad first date. But anyway, all of that went away and all of the awkwardness and distinctions and weirdness went away when music started and we just started marching. And there's a lesson there. Just start going. Just start walking somewhere. The differences go away when you be about the business of standing up for love, of walking in the name of something. Find something. And the differences start to mean zero. One of the tests of, a, of an ethical system, a religious system, and we've talked about this, is welcoming the stranger. It's easy to be nice, to paraphrase Jesus, to people who look like you and dress like you and think like you. Once again, that's a paraphrase, but it's pretty darn close to the point. Can you be nice to people who appear to be different? Can you love your enemies to the point where you realize there is no such thing? Can you someone who's different than you? Can you welcome the stranger? It is at the core of the message of Jesus Christ. It is at the core of religiosity. If your Christianity does not include people who are different than you, then you did it wrong. I'm sorry. I, I don't like to judge, but there's my judgment. Just said. But it's not just at the core of Christianity. It's at the core of so many religious systems. It's at the core of so many philosophical and ethical systems. It's at the core of a healthy psychology. Your brain wiring is going really good if you 
things that aren't your ideas. If you're so fragile that you can't deal with anything that disagrees with you, you've got some work to do. It's not just a religious idea. It's a psychological one. Biology even says a healthy ecosystem. There is a whole lot of different species working together. That's a healthy ecosystem. As it turns out, anywhere you look, it is healthy to have the idea of welcoming the stranger, of appreciating things that are different than you. Let's try to do that. Let us evaluate in terms of inclusion instead of exclusion, in terms of oneness instead of duality. In other words, let's remember that we're all marching in the same parade. And so I ask you, where are you going? I mean, that's really the question because we're all trying to get home and and I want to make it really clear I don't want us to be finish line oriented people. It's not like there's this one destination we get to and everything's done and we don't have to worry or think or grow or experience things anymore. There's no to life. Instead, life is a series of little homecomings. And life works when you appreciate them. People come to me all the time and say, okay, well, how do I do this God thing? Can you put in a good word? How do I do this thing? And there's a lot of things we can talk about and pray about and think about, and I can give you a stack of books to read and all of that, and that's great. But at the end of the day, If we're all trying to get home, the way to get there is to celebrate and look for those little moments. Here's what I mean. When you're in the car and your song comes on, that's a little homecoming, isn't it? That's a connection with something. When you're with somebody at a restaurant, you order the same thing. It's a homecoming. When someone pulls out and you pull right into the parking space, that's a homecoming. Whatever it is, big or small, be the person who celebrates the moment of homecoming, instead of calling it something like luck because that's dismissive, be accepting. Celebrate the little moments of homecoming because I'm here to tell you it is the only way to prosper. It is the only way to get your healing. It is the only way for it, whatever it is for you, to work. Celebrate the little moments of home. Celebrating the moments will get closer and closer together and more and more intense. That's the secret to life. No secret. But let me put that another way. If you don't celebrate those moments, no one will want to hang out with you. <laughs> it's true. If you don't celebrate those moments, that that feeling of wanting to be connected to something will try to come out in all kinds of ways. We are called to bring together. And that is why, for example, don't celebrate the connection, always end up in trouble (laughs) in one way or another. Think about how many times in the news there's been some politician, let's say, like, we got to get those people who do that one weird thing, and then they're the ones caught doing it. How many times? I mean, you could run out of ink printing those stories. How many times some knucklehead preacher says, you know, those people are bad people and you find out they've been doing that quote-unquote bad thing for years. They're really good at it. Think about how many times in your own life you've been looking out for something and realize, oh, wait, I do that too. Big or small, if you don't celebrate the connection. Big or small, if you're the kind of person who's got to have an adversary, it will keep you from your happiness, your prosperity, your healing. That's how it works find moments to include. But let me put all that a different way. The only thing that anybody ever fights 
is common ground. Let me think about it. That's what people fight about. When people have nothing in common, they got nothing to talk about. They got nothing to fight about. The only thing people ever fight about is something they have in common. Thou will prepare us a table in the presence of my enemies. We're all eating at the same table. Fights happen over territory. Physical, emotional, intellectual. Fights happen when there is common ground. So the next time you're in a situation where you're fighting with somebody, go, wait a minute, the only thing is we've got some, something in common. What you want to do with it is different than what I want to do with it, for example. But you can choose to see that person as your enemy for the rest of your life and never learn anything. Lots of luck. Or you can go, wait a minute, there is this common ground, and if I acknowledge the common ground, we got something not just to fight about, we got something to talk about. And that's where healing happens. But let me put that other way, another, other, other way. And something in common with somebody, you wouldn't notice them. You can't hate somebody because you wouldn't even know they were there unless you've got something in common. They're doing something or representing something that resonates with you. Otherwise, you wouldn't notice them enough to dislike them. And so I say to you, as it is written in Scripture, Lo, I am rubber and you're glue. What you say to me <laughs> bounces off me and sticks to you. I think that's in Ephesians or something like that. But is a cosmically... What you put out there is, of course, what you get back because it's the only thing you're ever going to notice is what you're chewing on. Thank God that people around you are mirrors. Own it. Clean your mirror. Try to give a good reflection of life to other people. Because you only ever learn anything in the context of other people. When you learn something as a little kid, you learn how to tie your shoes or run faster, the first thing you did was, look what I can do, right? You show somebody. That's purity. That's who you are. We live and we learn in the context of other people. You're on a journey that has got some unique things, your own path, but at the end of the day, you don't walk it alone. So where are you going? Kids are really good at truth and really bad at facts. You know that if you've ever been around a kid. Kids are really good at truth. They know how to love, for example. They know and beauty and inspiration and energy and everything important. Kids are all about it. They know truth with a capital T instinctively, wonderfully, beautifully, but sometimes really bad at facts. Like, I don't know, how to tie your shoes. And so if you are little one, you spend a lot of time teaching facts. It's important. Here's how we tie our shoes. Here's why we don't paint the cat. Because a cat is different than a piece of paper, right? Here's why we look. You are different than a car, right? It's convenient when you are teaching facts to teach in terms of opposites. You're different than this. But the problem with that is that truth doesn't obey the same rules as There's no factual basis for falling in love. There's no factual basis for your favorite painting or your favorite song. There's no factual basis for why you like your favorite meal. The important things don't work on a factual basis. It doesn't happen that way. As I always say, if you the reason you like your favorite song would be thought of as a glitch. And yet it's the most important thing about you. Sometimes, in our desire to guide other people, we think that the, we can teach truth the same way we teach facts. 
You teach a little kid, you say things like mittens off, mittens on, light off, light on. This is near and this is far, to quote the Gospel of Grover. You, get, you have these ideas of opposites because logically it's convenient. But it is a... Here's the point. There was a lot there, but here's the point. It is a mistake to think of big concepts like good and evil and love and truth and beauty. It is a mistake to think of big concepts the same way we think of little concepts like up and down and left and right. They don't work the same way. And I say all of that because it drives people crazy when I say I do not believe in an evil power. I don't. The Bible says, have one God in your life. And I tell you seriously. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. It doesn't say, spend half your time thinking about God and half your time running away from the boogeyman. My God is too big to have an opposite. And it drives people crazy when I say that. I believe that every single person is good. I do not believe in evil people. Now, I watch the news just like anybody. There are people who do evil things, unspeakable things, terrible things, but those are people with a very bad idea about how to do good and how to get home. Let's not curse the person. I do not believe in bad people. I don't believe in bad as far as a power. I got no room for an opposite to God. And it drives people nuts when I say that, and they say things like, well, don't you need opposites? Once again, that's the small idea of left and right equating to the big idea of good, for example. Don't you need opposites? And I say, do you need to hit your head up against a wall just to know it feels good when you stop? Opposites? And I say, well, what's the opposite of yellow? What's the opposite of, of a cheese sandwich? Here's where the smart aleck asks the pastor questions. Come in, go ahead and hit. But you know what I'm saying. What's the opposite of you? It doesn't work that way, does it? Anything important cannot be understood in terms of opposites. If you have a, a, a dog, and you play with the dog, and you love the dog, and you pet the dog, and all of those wonderful things, that's what we understand about the dog. If all I know about my dog is that he's not a cat, if all I do is understand that in terms of opposites, I've missed everything wonderful about that puppy. If you and all you know about them is this is different than that person I don't love, you're weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a, you are a bad date. Only things that are important are things that are understood in terms of sameness context with other things in terms of how they relate to each other and that's a lot so let me say it this way if you only understand something in terms of opposites then you don't understand it and if you want to be more fun to be around think about of what it is instead of what it isn't you don't go to a restaurant and say let me see a selection of items you do not serve and yet people do that with their life so often people are on this journey and they say, and get a triptych. Boy, I'm dating myself now. I'm going to get directions to all these places I don't want to go so I can zero in on that one place. That's weird and your glove compartment is not that big. You can't go by looking at opposites. I'm not asking what aren't you. What are you? We're on this journey, so where are you going? But let me put all that a different way.
you fixate on separation and duality and opposites, that opposite thing will call you. I call it the dance of the other. And I know that sounds kind of woo-woo, but I like the way it sounds, so I'm sticking to it. I call it the dance of the other. And here's what I mean by that. You are fixated on sin. You're not thinking about good, are you? You're called by that other thing, for example. If you are fixated on your diet, i got to tell you from personal experience, all I think about is donuts. The other calls you. If you define yourself by how much you can get done, if your to-do list dictates how you live your life, all you really want to do is win the lottery so you can sit still by the pool. Not by the thing, but by the opposite of the thing. The other is calling you. And the reason why the other is calling you is because you and I are wired to resolve the distinction. You and I are wired to bring it back to oneness. The dance of the other is that dance that calls us back home. Once again, evaluate your life in terms of unity instead of in terms of duality. But you've heard me talk about that and we know how Jesus felt about that. Welcome the stranger. Get over it in general. We know how it goes and we can read a stack of books about that. You know what this church says. You know all of that. Fine. But you know better than all of that. Because you know in your own heart how when you let fear rule your life. How does it feel? And you know in your heart how it feels when you say yes to something instead of saying no to something. You know how it feels. And as it turns out, that's all you have to know. If you want a healthy life, I want you to get done with the word they. It's so convenient as a minister for me to stand up here and tell you they are out to get you. You better get in here and get safe. They want your money and they don't look different and they think different. But as we grow up, we realize something very important. And if you don't write anything else down, maybe this is a thing to write down. There is no they. It's just us. Somebody told you about they because they wanted to keep you scared and keep you small and keep you needy. Love takes courage, I admit it, but it changes everything. You want to get good at this? Look around and see the people in the news and go, you know what? I don't know why they did that thing they did, but you know what? You've got people in your family, you don't know why they do the things they do, but you love them. So let's get over it together. That person you see, that's us, that's you. How do I fix this? Understand that that feeling of separation is calling me. Understand that, that all i got to do is recognize that common ground is calling me. Understand that all that you want and all that I want and all that we want is just to come home. So let's hook. There's only one between you and God. There's only one between you and other people. There is only one. And everything you do is just calling you home. And home, free. For all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening along to the services and being a part of this extended church family. 
I love the idea that it's not something that's bound by a particular physical location, although I want you to know that you're always welcome to come join us. Our street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's an amazing thing to be a part of this physical community. But one way or another, I want you to know that you're part of a larger family. And this meaning series that we're working on has to do with finding out what really matters in your life and making a life that matters for everybody. So with that in mind, there's all kinds of things that I want you to know about. There's all kinds of things to try and do that's going to make a difference in your life. And to find out more about the different homework and kind of things that we have going on, please find us on the web at waterandstonechurch.com. That's waterandstonechurch.com, all spelled out. And you can find uh, our address, service times, links to all kinds of things that we're doing, and most importantly, links to find us on all kinds of social media. We'll be posting a lot of movies and things on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to our newsletter, all of that. The two big important links are, once again, waterandstonechurch.com and at Waterstone Min, M-I-N, at Waterstone Min. That's where we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So find us in those places. We'll be looking for you.